0: Good morning. How are we all? It's good to see you. Um, Yeah, as Dave said, threw me under the bus last Sunday. said, oh, Brett's going to preach next week on temptation. Okay. So here we go. Let me pray first. Pray for you. You might need this God, I just thank you for this opportunity to sit under your word, to be encouraged, to be challenged, and I pray that today you would get your message across, and that what you want people to hear and ponder and reflect on would be said, would be spoken through me and also through your spirit, and we look forward to how you will use this today, God, to continue to build us, encourage us. In your name, amen. So when I was growing up, um, I remember being mentored in a group when I was quite young, as uh, probably 15, 14 years of age in the church. And one of our things that we had to do back then was we had to learn memory verses, um, I don't know if that's a thing these days or not, like, I don't know, do people still learn, learn Bible verses so that they remember them? I suppose these days we have, you know, phones with Bibles on them and stuff like that, so maybe it's a, not as, as important to have to remember, but it was a good practice, I thought. One of the Bible verses, I think, in the, you know, four spiritual laws or whatever it was that I was doing at the time, was the 1 Corinthians 10.13. Does anyone know that Bible verse? Uh, you guys need to do some memory verse learning, I reckon. Does anyone know what it might be? Uh, I can tell you from memory, because I remembered it. Uh, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man, for God is faithful, and with the temptation will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, and with the temptation will provide a way of escape. Cool, right? Bingo. That verse for me growing up was both an encouragement and a discouragement, <laughs> depending on how it was used, either to encourage me or <laughs> discourage me. What I mean by that is that there were times when I reflected on that verse and thought, well, if the temptation's not that big and it's not too big that I can't cope with it and that every temptation God's going to provide a way of me to escape from that temptation. Why didn't I? Why did I give in to temptation? And that for me growing up often was a, con- a self-condemnation. It was like, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. Not, my relationship with God isn't good enough. I don't know enough. And so that scripture for me at times became very condemning. And that's obviously not what it's supposed to be, right? It's meant to be an encouragement. It's meant to uplift us. It's meant to transform us. It's meant to empower us. And that's my heart and prayer this morning. You know, we start Lent with this the story of Jesus being tempted. And I'm not Going to focus on that story this morning because Jesus went into the wilderness after he was truly identified as the Son of God. And he spent 40 days fasting, which reminds us of our 40 days of Lent leading into Easter. And we start at this place with Jesus being tempted. As human beings, we will always be confronted with temptation. You know, as long as we have human bodies, we are going to be tempted to seek joy, comfort, and release in places where Jesus is not found. If you get to the end of the day and can honestly say, I've had no temptations at all today, check your pulse. You're probably dead. (laughs) Jesus himself was tempted to accept the pleasures of the world rather than relationship and remain united with God the Father. And that is why during Lent we need to consider our personal battles with temptation, our struggles, and the fight against the evil in this world that is so often against us. The great theologian Walter Brueggemann, one of my faves, encourages us to use Lent to remember our own baptism and our own identity in Christ. It's a time to remember that as soon as the voice proclaimed Jesus' identity, Jesus went into the wilderness to undergo trial and temptation. Lent is a great time to remember that Jesus was exactly the right kind of son. He was tempted, and as we know, he did not give in to the temptation. He was the perfect son. But guess what? We're not perfect. Well, I'm not. Maybe you are. You look perfect. He was perfect in every way, as the song sung. We are not perfect, and we will get it wrong. Hands up if you ever have got it wrong. if you didn't put your hand up, you're lying, so therefore you got it wrong right there. (laughs) We are not perfect and we will get it wrong. We will give in to that momentary fix we receive, but our God is faithful and gracious, both providing a way of escape in temptation and also in forgiving us when we give into it God will not tempt you he cannot James reminds us in uh James 1:13 and 14 it says you know let no one say when he is tempted that i am being tempted by god for god cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And so if God cannot tempt, then I would say neither should the church or religion. And yet, when I look back at religion, I see religion tempting humanity to do wrong. And Jesus saw it too. And he spoke into that quite harshly. You know, he said, this is pretty strong. Luke 17, he says, Temptations to sin are sure to come. Common, normal, expected. But woe to the one through whom who they come. <laughs> he quite descriptively states, It would be better for you to be thrown into the sea with a large stone around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to sin. Wow. Quite descriptive, quite brutally honest, really, isn't it? You'd be better off tying a rock to your neck and throwing yourself in the ocean than you would be to cause someone else to sin. So be careful. You know, over the years, I believe religion has used temptation to judge, to condemn, And to control. And yet, temptation, although it's a test for all of humanity to walk in and through, it's not a judgment against us. And although we will all fall and fail, we are not defeated, we are not disowned, and we are not a disappointment. We are human. And that's why we need Jesus, right? To hold us, to carry us, to realign us, to forgive us, to empower us. So no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Or the Message Bible version says this, We all experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being. So, temptation is normal. I wish it wasn't. (laughs) We should expect it, and it pretty much is constant. It is a part of life for everyone, as it was for Jesus. You know, temptation in and of itself is not evil, it's common, it's normal. And I believe that the strategy of temptation is simply to distract, to disappoint, or to ultimately destroy. You know, I think temptation is there to distract us from what is really important, to distract us from what we should be doing. From our calling, from our values, from our wrestling with life, from our relationships, even our faith. And sometimes to distract us from our pain and our grief. I think temptation's strategy is to disappoint us, to disappoint us in ourselves. As I said before, we we have this way of thinking that says, When I do wrong, I am a disappointment. And I think the, the strategy of temptation is to make us feel like that, less than worthy. Disappointment in others, disappointment in God, in church. And that leads to shame, it leads to disconnection and often disillusionment. Or it's to destroy us by taking away the things that matter most through addiction, betrayal, dishonesty and even criminal activity. Of course, Temptation doesn't always lead to sin. You know that three-letter word. Sometimes, even when we give in to temptation, it, just, it leads us into this place of missed opportunity or misalignment. And that not, is not necessarily sinful or evil. But it can still do the same things of distract, disappoint or destroy. So I was thinking a lot about temptation this week. It's a very tempting week. Got some great insights from my life group on Thursday morning. And I'm not going to tell the joke that was used because it was a dad joke and it was pretty bad. So how are we tempted? Like what is going on in this context of temptation? Two things, I think, motivate temptation, and it's either self-protection or preservation or self-promotion and pleasure, and we can see what the common denominator is, self. So when we are tempted, we are tempted to either self-protect or self-preserve, or we are tempted to self-promote or create self-pleasure. One brings that sense of comfort and safety, and the other brings gratification or joy. Both temporary, neither are found in Jesus, and both lead to some level of distraction, disappointment, or destruction. We are tempted to do things, to judge when we should accept and embrace, to fight when we should forgive, to criticise when we should encourage, to engage in when we should abstain from. But we're also tempted to not do things, to stay silent when we should speak up, to remain inactive when we should act to stay away when we should go. Again, the motivation behind all of that is around self-protection or self-promotion, self-preservation, self-pleasure. And I was reflecting on that in the context of our world at the moment and asked myself a question. What is the temptation? for me in today's world of corruption, chaos, and crisis? How am I choosing to respond to COVID, to the war in Ukraine, to the flood crisis, to the injustice against our First Nation people, to the exclusion and judgment of our queer community? What am I tempted to do or not do What are you tempted to do and not do? We are human. That's why we need Jesus. To hold us, to carry us, to realign us, to forgive us, to empower us, and ultimately to lead us into transformation. And even though God will not tempt you, God will use the journey through temptation to transform you, to empower you, to teach you, to train you, to encourage you and to challenge you. I love the story of Peter and Jesus around the Easter time where Peter denies Jesus even exists, denies that he knows him. And I was thinking about, you know, the temptation for Peter was definitely around self-protection. Do you know this man who's being led off to be crucified? Because the fear, right? If I admit to knowing him, I could be like joining him. I don't know about you, but I would probably have done the same thing. Even though Peter, you know, not long before that had basically said, I'll die for you, Jesus. Okay. Let's see how that plays out. So Peter is tempted to self-protect, preserve his own life in his mind and he gives in to that temptation. And he got his momentary sense of safety and comfort. Okay, so you don't know him, no worries, let's move on. It definitely distracted him and ultimately disappointed him. And I love the story in John 21 when Jesus reconnects with Peter on the beach. It's a story that, to me, speaks deeply about the nature, the love, the compassion, and the empowerment of Jesus. To me, it's a story that demonstrates that Jesus has this incredible belief in us, despite our weaknesses, despite our mistakes, despite our low self-worth. You know, this story is an intentional pursuit that Jesus has of Peter, of who Peter is. Peter was feeling very ashamed, riddled with guilt. I let my master down. I gave in to temptation. I've done the wrong thing the brash, the brave Peter who said, I will follow you anywhere. He denied Jesus three times. Now Jesus, being Jesus, was very aware of where Peter's head was at. He knew exactly what was going on for Peter, the shame, the guilt, the disappointment. I'm a disappointment. I'm not good enough. I'll never be enough. I'll never do enough. I don't know about you, but I've heard those words in my own head many times. I'm not good enough. I'll never do enough. I'm not spiritual enough. Peter had gone back to fishing. There's a fishing story, Dave. We know how much you love fishing stories. Peter had gone back to fishing for fish because he no longer felt worthy to fish for men. Even after he had seen Jesus alive, even after he knew how the story had unfolded, that Jesus had overcome sin and death, he left, driven by shame to do what he only felt worthy enough to do. Go back to catching fish. You know, I love how Jesus responds and acts in this story. And today, this is an encouragement because Jesus is the same today with you and with me. I mean, if there was ever a time when Jesus could have a rant, could have a bit of a, a rave, could bring some stuff up, this was it. If there was a time when, you know, Jesus could let on that he was disappointed, annoyed, frustrated, cranky, let down. This, this would be a great time to bring that up. To let Peter know. To make his point. To say maybe, I told you so. To judge. (laughs) Those closest to him had disappointed him, had rejected him, had betrayed him, had ignored him, had denied him. I don't know about you, have you ever felt the sting of disappointment? I mean, if it was me... If I was Jesus, you're grateful that I'm not. (laughs) I would have at least brought it up. I would want to remind Peter just how good I'm being to him now. Jesus doesn't even mention it. And if there's one piece of gold for you to grab hold of today, it's that. Jesus doesn't even bring it up. He goes to where Peter is. And Jesus still does that today. He goes to where you are. He doesn't focus on what has been. He doesn't bring up your past because he's too damn excited about your future. And he embraces and serves, cooks breakfast. And, you know, the other thing in that story that kind of does my head in a little bit is not only does he do all these things, he goes after Peter, he goes where Peter is He's cooking him up some bacon. Oh, prop, no, it wasn't bacon and eggs. It was fish for breakfast. So he's serving Peter. And not only that, he gives Peter a miracle. You know, they're fishing. They're not catching fish. And he gives him a miracle of a massive catch of fish. He blesses Peter with a miracle in his moment of betrayal, of denial, of disappointment, of giving in. He gives Peter a miracle. He cooks him breakfast. He goes to where Peter's at. And then, if that's not enough of the goodness of God, he restores his calling. Not once does he say, oh, don't deny me again. If you do that again, you're done. No, that's our voice. That's what we say to ourselves. It's not the heart of God. He doesn't bring it up. He doesn't mention it. He doesn't remind him. He doesn't even kind of do it in, you know, one of those kind of subtle kind of roundabout kind of ways that we do really well. He just goes to where Peter's at, gives him this miracle, cooks him breakfast and then calls him back into, invites him back into his calling and his purpose. Now I find that both a challenge and an encouragement pretty much sums up my experience of scripture. I'm constantly encouraged, but I'm also constantly challenged. The encouragement is that Jesus is the same today as he was then. He's the same with you, and he's the same with me. He's the same with your neighbor. He's the same with the person at work. He's the same with your relative that may have disappointed you. May have let you down. And he's the same with you. He comes to you focused on the future of all you can be, not your past. You know, nothing can separate us from the love of God, our past can't. (laughs) He comes to you focused on the person, not the problem. And he serves you to live out your purpose. Regardless of how you or I have responded to our trial, our temptation, Jesus still comes to you where you're at. To serve you, to reinstate you. I mean, it's the story, Dave mentioned this this morning, it's the story of the prodigal son on repeat. (laughs) The love of God. The love of Christ. The challenge is that we are also called to become more like Jesus and love like that. even to those we don't understand or who don't like us or who don't look like us, who disappoint us, who disagree with us. We are then called to serve, to listen, to embrace, to include, to restore, to forgive. Because every person is worthy of his love and ours. You know, when Jesus was wrestling with his own future in the garden before God, if there's another way, he's asked the disciples one simple thing. Stay awake and pray. (laughs) Jesus goes off in his, he's, he's in this hard, very hard place. And he's depending on his friends. He goes off and he comes back. And when he came back to his disciples, he found them sound asleep. He said to Peter, of course, not to anyone else. Because Jesus knew what was coming, right? It's all linked. Funny that. Can't you stick out with me for a single hour? Stay alert. Be in prayer so you don't wander into temptation without even knowing you're in danger. There's a part of you that is eager, that is ready for anything in God. It's interesting he's saying this to Peter, right? Because, you know, Peter said, "I'll, I'll die for you, Jesus. So there was a part of Peter that was eager and ready and willing for anything in God. And then Jesus says there's another part. It's as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. That's the message version. (laughs) You know, the body is willing, but the mind is weak. The soul is weak. The spirit is weak. You know, there's one part of us. There's one part of me. When I look back over my journey as a follower of Jesus, there's, you know, this part of me that's, that's strong and courageous and bold and, I'll do anything, go anywhere, do what you say. And then there's this other side of me that's afraid and fearful and wants to self-protect and look after number one. So stay alert and be in prayer. In a sense, that's the message to not give in to temptation. Is stay alert and be in prayer. Be aware. Be aware of what's going on around you, why you're being tempted. Stay alert and be in prayer. Be in relationship with Jesus so that you don't wander into temptation, meander, fall into temptation without even knowing you're in danger. That's the human struggle, right? One part of us, strong and victorious, do anything, go anywhere, say anything, stand up when I need to, speak when I need to, act when I need to, go when I need to. And then there's another part of us that's unsure and uncertain and hesitant and fearful and weak. So stay alert and be in prayer so that that part can be strengthened and empowered by the Spirit of God. So that as we grow and walk in relationship with Him, that we become strengthened. Because whether we see it in the moment or not, temptation will always lead us to that place of distraction, disappointment or destruction. The good news is that the Jesus we love and serve is still doing what he did with Peter. He's still going to where you're at and restoring you and me. Despite that, that's good news. That is the good news. It's the great news. It's the story of the cross. It's the story of the resurrection. It's the story of Lent. That we are being transformed more and more and more into the likeness of Christ as we go. Including as we fall. Let me pray. This morning, Jesus, we acknowledge that temptation is real. It's common, it's normal, it's out there every day. We acknowledge there are times when we are not even aware of the temptation that's around us. We are grateful that you are with us in it and that you will strengthen us and that you have a way. You have a way out. I pray for those of us that feel like we're kind of burdened and weighed down because maybe we haven't taken the way out and we feel disappointed we feel judged we feel ashamed pray that you would speak life into that into that person into that life into that journey that life of love of transformation of empowerment of hope your heart to restore your heart to transform And your heart to teach, to use those moments like you did with Peter. To use those moments to to strengthen and empower and reinstate. I pray that we would all reflect. We would all be alert. We would all be in prayer. so that we would be aware of what is tempting us, why it's tempting us. And that that part of us that says, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything for you, God, would rise up. Despite where we've been, what we've done, what we've thought, what we've said, it would rise up in faith. And that we would begin to believe in ourselves as you believe in us. And that we would be all that we can be for you and your purpose. Amen.